Hello there, Sarah. I'm really delighted that we get to have a chance to talk with you today uh, on the Resilient Kids podcast. And firstly, it would be wonderful if you could introduce yourself before we get into the topic of play. Fantastic. Kia ora, Madeline. Lovely to be here talking with you. I'm first and foremost um, a mama of three amazing children who have taught me, they've re-taught me how to play and uh, made me a much better person for getting to be their mum. They're now teenagers, but I still remember what it was like when they were little. And I am a parenting coach and author of Changing the World as Child's Play, which helps parents really uh, tune in to the importance of the job that they're doing and how they can make their time with their young children more joyful and more, uh, more enjoyable and satisfying and also make a difference out in the world because everything we're doing with our children is actually making a difference to our future, future of this planet and our communities and ourselves. So I love working with parents and helping them to see different ways of doing the parenting journey. And like I say, really making it more enjoyable, delightful, exciting, rather Lovely. than a lot of the other words parents often use. And so I also understand that you've had some pretty robust experience as a parent educator through Brainway Trust. Do you want to tell us a little yeah, bit about that? Yeah, yes. Well, I started my parenting journey through Play Centre and facilitating workshops there. And through Play Centre, I discovered Brainwave Trust when my youngest child was still in my tummy. And so I've been a Kayakor for Brainwave Trust Aotearoa for about 14 years now. And it helps me to understand the science that explains what's happening in our young children's brains and bodies and how we function and the huge importance of relationships with each other. So it, it's helpful to have that neuroscience to help explain what is going on for our young children and us as parents too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell me about why you think play is so important and you know what, what excites you about creating a whole business around the idea of play. <laughs> uh, humans are supposed to play. We are mammals. In fact, all mammals are supposed to play. It's a way that we learn. It's a way that we try things out, test out new theories, try and make sense of the world, make mistakes and learn from them. And, uh, and play is critical to that process of learning. It's also a lot of fun. It creates a lot of positive chemicals in the body and brain and uh, makes life more exciting and interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. And I just heard that there was a, sorry, an interview through Radio New Zealand with a chap who has talked about the importance of play for decision making, for lowering anxiety, for problem solving, all of those things that maybe, you know, we wouldn't normally think about in terms of play. Yes, absolutely. All of those traits and the skills that we're going to need as adults can be gained and are best gained through play. And uh, I think you were talking about Dr. Peter Gray. We're going to put a, a link to his book in, in the comments below. But yeah, there's been a lot of research over many, many years on the importance of play. And equally, there's been a lot of research recently on the impacts of not enough play happening in okay. our societies, children not being allowed to play. And we are realizing more and more the, the importance. It's not just a nice to have. It's not just a lovely, a lovely pastime for children to engage in. It's actually necessary for their healthy development. So what actually is play? 
Yeah, it's very broad. The main thing is that it is self-initiated, self-directed, and it doesn't need to have an outcome. There might be an outcome involved. However, it's more about the process and the, the journey through experiencing the, the situation. So actually in, in my book, Changing the World as Child's Play, I, I talk about lots of different real life situations where we are just playing. Going to bed can be play, doing the dishes can be play, going to the grocery store, even trying to understand and grapple with the concept of death. You know, there is wow. play in everything. Mm -hmm. And if parents can be helped to, to recognize that play can be part of everything and help to really utilize that, it can help a lot with their relationships with the children and the journey. Yeah, I can still remember as a little girl being offered a choice of different ways of going to bed. And we used to have a possibility of a dive, which meant that my father used to throw us onto the bed, <laughs> tickle, which of course we used to be so anticipatory of a story or a hide. And so we could choose every night one of those things to be out in mm. the bed. And I still smile and, you know, it's just it's so lovely to think about. What a beautiful story. And there's so much in there about tuning into self. What do I feel like? What do I need in this moment? About trusting and really growing the relationship with, with your parent. About learning about gravity with being thrown <laughs> onto a bed. And yeah, there's, there's so much learning that happens. It's actually worth looking at individual play situations and breaking down what is all the learning happening. And very quickly, you fill a page with all the ideas. Wow. Okay. And so what do you think parents are struggling with or concerned or worried about in terms of thinking about play with their kids? Yeah. Well, the first thing that came to mind with that question, Madeline, is a perception that there's not enough time. Mm. We've got time to play. Stop mucking around. Uh, we've got to go. We need to be here. We need to do this. These are more important than play. And then add to that this belief that play is a privilege, a treat. Uh, yeah. something to be earned after the real work is done. Yeah, then we've got issues with children not being able to play and often their behaviour indicates that they're needing more play, except we tend to label it as they're being naughty, they're being difficult, you know, what's wrong with my child, he won't do what I say, or, you know, there's there's other things afoot here and one of them, I believe, is a lack of play and it seems that this latest research is confirming <laughs> Yeah. Those concerns that, that many research uh, studies have been showing over the years and also being able to recognize the opportunity for play in every moment. So that's the solution, I guess, is, mm. is how to fit play into what we're already doing if you can't be changing up the routine of the day or the rhythms of the day. Mm. And so if you were thinking about small children, how often do you think they should be playing? Most of their wake time really <laughs> ideally in play and like I say it's not necessarily needing to look a certain way play can be eating their food play can be getting their clothes on having their bath it's doing those things in a playful way and right. having some autonomy having some choice in the matter some sense of 
what do I need to learn in this moment? So often I'll, I'll talk to parents who are upset that their children are throwing things while they're supposed to be eating. So they're throwing their food and we look at, okay, well, what sort of play are they wanting to learn about? What are they needing to understand? And we think, okay, so gravity, trajectories, cause and effect, the splatter effect and many, many other things. So how can we create that opportunity when they're not in their high chair or up at the table supposed to right. be eating? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can you give an example about what you might do with maybe a two-year-old who's splattering food and <laughs> well, clearly they're wanting to learn a bit of science about what happens when things get thrown about. So providing those opportunities at other times of the day. That and or have some plastic mats around and if you want to allow that, then allow that to happen. It's kind of up to you and your boundaries and is okay for you. Mm. Um, and then you can have fun playing, cleaning it all up too. It, it depends on what your priorities and values are though. My father hates the thought of food being wasted. So that of course. might be an issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if you were thinking about how to create opportunities for kids to throw things or to um, to learn about gravity or to learn about splattering, you know, what would you do? Okay, yeah. Well, most of us in New Zealand, we're lucky enough to have lots of water around. So allowing opportunities for scooping and playing with water with different utensils, doing this in a way that allows them to get wet because they're going to get wet and then help them get dry again with balls or other things around the house that you're happy for them to throw give them an area where they could that can be their throwing area and things that are allowed to be thrown make that, that clear what is and isn't allowed to be thrown uh, yet yeah, because we don't want them just grabbing things randomly off a shelf and smashing them so providing a space and environment and the time to do that and mm. noticing, oh, okay, when we're out and trying to get to walk to the park, oh, they want to throw stones, allowing that mm. rather than saying, hurry up, we need to get to the park so you can play. The child's already playing right. on, on the way. So a bit of, um, yeah, noticing what the child is trying to do. Let's assume that they're trying to learn something about the world and see what you could allow and, and what you could create for them. Mm. When you were talking about creating spaces, one of the things that I also remember from my childhood was that we had a chair that we were allowed to do anything we liked with. And it was a big old armchair thing. And we used to turn it into a horse and we used to turn it into acrobatical things that we have to jump over. And at one point, my sister had decided that she was going to try and take it apart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't quite remember what happened about that, but because the rule was that it was our chair and we could do what we liked with it, I guess we had, I mean, it was still survived. So I presume we had to learn how to, you know, bang all the bits back into place again. Yeah, absolutely. Even if the play doesn't seem to go the way the adult is wanting it to, there's always an opportunity to repair, reflect, to try it a different way. Okay, so what would you like to do with it this time now that this has happened? It's all a big scientific experiment. Mm, I love the idea that play is about science and about learning how mm. things work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah really absolutely making sense of the world what happens yeah. when I engage with this item in this way what effect do I have on the world yeah and actually the people around us as well yeah you know? yeah and so we're learning about social interactions I guess and, yes yeah. lots mm -hmm. of play is about social interaction where do I fit yeah um, and and playing out different scenarios 
Mm, yeah, mm. practicing. You talked about even play around dying and death. And I remember mm. um, working with uh, or talking with a family whose her husband had died and she told me that her children played funerals with mm. a trolley for months and months and months and months. Yes, yes, absolutely. In a safe, contained environment, playing out the rituals or the trying to make sense of the situation. I had an example when I was at Play Centre of one of my girls, my uncle had just died, we'd gone to visit him and seen him in his coffin. And I'd always talked about how people die, everyone dies, yep. And hopefully you'll die an old old woman, warm in your bed, you know, that sort of talk, not sensationalist, scary talk. Mm. And my four-year-old, a mum came up and said, oh, I'm really worried. Uh, your daughter's drawing something about a, a girl committing suicide. And this seemed like a cause for panic and worry. And and um, we both decided not to panic and worry about it and go and have a little chat and see see what's going on with this drawing. And what it turned out was my daughter was trying to make sense of what will happen when I die as her mum. And right. the only way she would get to be with me would be to kill herself. Ah. And so she was drawing the situation of the little girl. And it wasn't that she intended that in any way. It was purely she was trying to make sense of the fact of how do you be with someone who's already died? Mm. and and she only did that for a few sessions and then it disappeared yes so often these things are not as um, negative as they seem Mm. because what you've said to us is that plays about trying to work out how the world works Mm. and that if we see it as a process of exploration and understanding as opposed to a finite end point then that makes a lot more sense doesn't it yeah that's right that's right So how do we support parents or how do you support parents to be able to play with their children in Mm. those tiny moments? You know, what are the things that parents can do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly, talking about what play is and the neuroscience around play and how much learning is happening and all of that cognitive description of, of why play is good. Even better, though, is to remind parents about how it used to feel when they played. And what did you like to do? And how would they, how did that feel for you? What did you enjoy about it? And really connect into their own childhood and what they enjoyed playing with. And then thirdly, helping parents actually to play. I'm a big fan of adults playing. And I'm kind of giggling to myself as I say this. I love to play and my children are mortified by how much I play, especially out in public. Mom, stop it. I think uh, adults playing is uh, is a huge step towards allowing children to play. Yes. Uh, so that's those are some of the ways that I, I help parents to, mm. to do that. Yeah, and I, I've just had the joy of spending some time um, on the ski slopes, which I just consider is one great big playground, yes. really. And um, I've recently been on a workshop where we were asked to go and spend some time between five and, and 60 minutes playing in a playground. Mm. And um, and so that was really lovely hearing people talk about what that experience was like and actually wishing that we had bigger swings. <laughs> yes, yes, we need adult-sized swings, absolutely. Isn't that the best feeling? Yeah, it's flying just, just just amazing absolutely and and play can be physical things it can also be craft-based ideas or singing or music it can come in so many different forms as well anything that is joyful it's feeling positive that has a person feel relaxed it's a form of play nice nice 
And so how can people find out more information about play? You know, what are some resources and some ideas that you can share with parents? Ah, yeah. Well, the book that we'll point out from Peter Gray and my book, Changing the World is Child's Play, uh, can be either bought through a search online, we'll, we'll give a link, or else you can download it for free and join my mail list. Also, I have a, a website which is called powerfulparenting.world. And over time, I haven't quite built them all yet. There are going to be some online courses and there will definitely be some courses about play there. Uh, For now, I play with my um, playground parents once a week. I have a community that comes together and play as part of every session that we have. And so people can get to you by going to that website, is that right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that would be a great, great start. And so can people join your playground group? Yes, yes, I'm looking to to do a new intake later this year, probably September. I'm just waiting for some dates there, but yeah, a new intake nice. will, be, will be wonderful. Okay, so what playful thing could we do as a way of finishing off our session, Sarah? A playful thing, okay. Oh, my body's feeling like moving at the moment. Um, so some sort of allowing your body to move however it needs to, And while you're doing that, looking around the room, moving, grabbing something that you haven't seen, that that just catches your eye that maybe you don't normally touch. I've just found a metronome. Here we go. And I'm going to have a feel of it, have a smell of it, have a look at it from a different angle. I'm not using it how it would normally be used. I'm moving it all around. And this is a form of of play as well I'm feeling how cool it is under my hands what have you found there Madeline no I found this I think it might be a pen holder that I've had since I was an adolescent actually at high school because I used to really enjoy like the peanuts cartoons oh yeah and this is Snoopy lying on his doghouse oh yeah yeah, and it sits in my office but actually it's behind a calendar so I haven't seen it for a, a long time and um, he's got this really gormless grin on his face as he's lying on the top of his. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it brings back some lovely memories of studying and being you know, a, a young student, but also the joy of the Peanuts cartoons and how they nice. used to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that's made you smile. <laughs> Anything that makes you smile. There you go. Lovely. Been playing. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your wisdom about play today with us. And I look forward to hearing from parents about their experience of changing up their day and Mm. taking more moments of levity and enjoyment in every day. Mm, Absolutely. Bring on the play. Always keep playing. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Kia ora.